Happy Brews Day Tuesday, everybody. My name is Caroline King, and you're listening to Bitch Beer. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a very special guest today on the podcast. I have Jennifer Weissop. She is the owner and founder of Ruby Slipper Cafe down in New Orleans, which is now an amazing chain that is spreading around. I'll let her tell you all the details of that. Uh, the reason we are speaking with her today is because she started an organization called Lanyap Crew. And Lanyap Crew is an organization started to help service industry workers in Louisiana, and she will explain the details of it. And the main reason we're doing this episode is because Hurricane Ida hit Louisiana and the Gulf Coast exactly 16 years to the day of Hurricane Katrina. And for an area so devastated by Hurricane Katrina, and then to have this other large hurricane, it's Something that's near and dear to my heart, I'm from Louisiana. My senior year of high school was Hurricane Katrina, so it's something that hits very close to home for me, and my family was very affected by now both hurricanes. So being able to provide any awareness of anything going on in my hometown and home state is very important to me. And this episode's very special to me because being able to first off speak with a badass entrepreneur from Louisiana who was inspired by Hurricane Katrina to revitalize her area and then now how she's pulling that into the organization that she started to give back to the service industry community. Uh, service industry across all states everywhere in the entire world was very negatively affected by this pandemic and then put on top of that this hurricane so if you've never lived by the coast or anywhere where you've had to evacuate evacuating just the act of evacuating is very expensive a lot of people in the service industry they live paycheck to paycheck so having to get the money first off for gas to get out or a flight or a hotel if you don't have family to stay with is very very expensive and then on top of that coming home to no power coming home to not being able to find gas coming home to streets being closed so you can imagine how this has been extra difficult on the people in these communities that are first off coming back from the pandemic and then now having to deal with this on top of everything. So anything that we can do to raise awareness of this and also how to help. Um, Jennifer's going to go into the details of Lanyap Crew. She is going to explain what Lanyap means. If you're not from Louisiana, I'll let you listen to find out. And then we will talk about the event that is happening this Thursday at Red's Beer Garden. We are raising money for Lanyap Crew. Red's Beer Garden is amazing. It's my favorite place in Atlanta just because of how many amazing things that they've done. Um, and this being one of them, of course, they are going to be donating 10% of proceeds, uh, profits to Lanyap Crew. And also they are raffling off a $100 gift card and all kinds of amazing fun stuff. So definitely stay tuned. Hope you enjoy. Cheers. Toujours 
and I have a very special guest on the podcast with us today. If you could please introduce yourself and tell us where you're from. Great. Thanks, Caroline. I'm Jennifer Weisopt, and I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, where I um, founded the Ruby Slipper Cafe about 13 years ago. Yeah, I just love the Ruby Slipper Cafe. That's been one of my favorite, favorite spots back home. Every time I go home, I always eat there. It's it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. And so um, so when you got started, we'll, we I'd love to go into the history of how you got started with Ruby Slipper Cafe and what brought that on. Yeah, definitely. So um, it's, it's kind of a non-traditional restaurant story because I am a chemical engineer by education. Oh, wow. And um, got into the restaurant business, uh, some people say, fell into it backwards and blindfolded. Um, it was really part of you know our post-Katrina story here in New Orleans. Um, my home flooded in 2005 from Hurricane Katrina and oh I was um, found out right after we had you know evacuated and were uh, you know out of town a couple of weeks into that evacuation realized that I was pregnant with our first child oh my god and so you know a lot of big life decisions about you know do you rebuild the house and oh my god you're gonna have a baby um, so we you know decided we were going to rebuild the house which then said you know okay, well, is everybody else around us going to rebuild their houses? Because, of course, like the whole neighborhood flooded and many other neighborhoods as well. Oh, so um, there was a property about a block away from our house that um, some neighbors had been trying to buy before the storm. And we had always told them if they ever got the building, uh, it would make a really nice little cafe or a coffee shop, a little breakfast restaurant. And, you know, selfishly, that was my dream because I wanted to go there and drink coffee and eat breakfast, right? right. <laughs> um, so when Katrina happened, that building flooded like so many of the buildings in New Orleans. And the person who owned it, who had been reluctant, very reluctant to sell prior to the storm, um, offered it back to the neighbors who had wanted to buy it at that time. Um, they did purchase the building and when they got it under contract, you know, they called us and said, Hey, you know, what do you think? Do you think you guys want to open that breakfast restaurant you were telling us about? I'm like, well, we don't know anything about breakfast restaurants or restaurants <laughs> for that matter. No, we don't want to open a restaurant. Just find somebody. Right. Um, well, you know, I think the greatest life lesson for me personally of Hurricane Katrina was that, you know, you can't look always look for someone else to do something for you sometimes you have to like really be a risk taker and go out on a limb and do something totally outside your comfort zone because you believe that it's going to be something for the greater good so in our case you know we really felt like if we could build this little cafe and we could hire some really great people it could become an anchor of the neighborhood and would be you know kind of one more reason that people would want to move into that area and, you know, buy these flooded houses and renovate them and bring them back to life. Yeah. Um, so we kind of undertook that in 2006 and opened our first Ruby Slipper Cafe in the spring of 2008, um, really never planning for it to go anywhere beyond that first location. Um, but uh, I guess, uh, you know, plans change and things change and it, it kind of became an overnight hit at that time. And so um, 
really started thinking like, well, maybe I should, you know, we should open another one. And so a couple <laughs> of years later, we opened a second location in downtown New Orleans in the central business district. And uh, kind of same story, different location. That one became a hit pretty quickly and started to think like, oh, maybe we're onto something. Now, meanwhile, um, I still had a full-time job at the time I worked for Shell Oil Company, which oh, wow. was uh, my engineering job and had been with Shell, goodness, I guess like eight eight or so years at that point wow. or seven or eight years at that point. Um, ended up uh, a couple years later opening a third location. By that time, uh, my husband and I had had three children. And so I had, you know, nearly a full-time job, three young kids, and now three restaurants. Oh, my gosh. Um, and I said, like, <laughs> okay, that's enough. No more restaurants. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it was, again, a couple of years. He likes to do things. It's like a year later. He's like, I found this space. You got to come see it. Like, it's a deal you can't pass up. Oh so my gosh. Um, we opened our fourth restaurant in New Orleans in... 2014 so this is between 2008 and 2014 we opened wow. those four restaurants and at that point you know it, it kind of seemed like well maybe this is a thing and maybe we should explore whether it could be a thing outside of new orleans or did we just hit this really sweet spot of breakfast and brunch in a city that is filled with locals and tourists who love to eat and love to drink. And yes. maybe, you know, maybe in other places in America, people don't want a mimosa at 7 a.m. or a Bloody Mary. <laughs> I don't want to go there. <laughs> I know. So that was, you know, kind of once we uh, are, once we kind of decided at that point to go all in, we um, opened our first location outside of New Orleans in Pensacola, Florida, which, wow. you know, was really the best decision that we made because Pensacola has a really revitalized downtown area and we're right kind of on their main street down there. That's and there's awesome. a ton of little, you know, restaurants and shops and, you know, the people of Pensacola are huge foodies and they are very dedicated to the restaurants that they love. And so, uh, you know, on top of having a really great customer base, they also have an incredible, base of employees who are hospitality professionals wow. you know so we have this great team in Pensacola and I think you know it's their success is what really inspired us to keep going at that point and so over the period from you know 2015 till the beginning of 2020 so basically for a five-year period um, we went from five locations to 16 locations oh my god um, so basically tripled in size in those five years and then you know it's a, a fun ride but it's certainly a lot of work um still have those three kids of course <laughs> <laughs> they keep getting bigger and they have other things they like to do right oh um, my gosh that's incredible so yeah so we, we had a lot of growth. We actually launched a second brand, a sister brand called Ruby Sunshine Ooh. when we expanded from, you know, kind of New Orleans, Pensacola, then Orange Beach um, and Mobile, Alabama and Baton Rouge. Wow. So kind of our Gulf Coast brand is Ruby Slipper. And our next expansion was into Tennessee <gasps> and then North Carolina. And now in 2021, about to open in South Carolina 
um, under the brand Ruby Sunshine. So that's been really a lot of fun. We, um, like every restaurant and everybody in hospitality, uh, had a really devastating 2020, yeah. but we um, stuck it out and we we had two restaurants, uh, one in Nashville and one in Charlotte that were under construction at the time that the pandemic really hit. And wow. we went forward and opened two restaurants in a pandemic. So that's, that's one for the history books. Oh my gosh. Um, June and July of last year. And then really just focused on, you know, we had to close and reopen all of our restaurants, right? As right. rules changed and everything that happened to all of us in 2020. And then um, 2021 finally, you know, got our feet back under us and moved back into growth mode and have um, a second location in Birmingham, Alabama for Ruby Sunshine that's opening oh. in October and a location in Charleston, um, South Carolina that's scheduled to open in November and then a few more things you know on the horizon for early 2022. My gosh this is I mean <laughs> the more you talk it's just like you're such a superwoman. this is so incredible <laughs> what an amazing like everything that you've built up and you brought up such a good point earlier with Hurricane Katrina is like because I'm a survivor of Hurricane Katrina as well mm-hmm. it's my hometown and it was my senior year of high school it's oh goodness and That's it's so rough it's just it's one of those things where you are forced into a situation where you have to not just make the most of it but you have to survive and find a way like if especially in New Orleans um because New Orleans is just such a, a big city for culture and food and music and, you know, really for us to be able to have revitalized it, it's people like you that made that happen. I mean, just having the one location and now having 16 total, that's incredible. Yeah. So actually with the two we opened in 2020, we have 18, uh, 18 altogether now. And, um, you know, it was certainly challenging, lots of things to learn. We built, you know, along the way, we built, you know, really incredible teams, um, both in our restaurants and in our home office wow. leadership. And so uh, my husband left the business. Um, he was the head of like real estate and development. He did all the, you know, found the spaces and did the wow. design and construction, manage that. So he left his full-time position last, um, at the end of last summer. And then I was able to essentially retire from the CEO position, which is what I was holding for the past several years. Um, I retired from CEO in the end of March. Oh my gosh, congratulations. we, We brought, yeah, we brought a person on a COO, a chief operating officer on, right literally the week before we went into lockdown for the pandemic in 2020. So we figured, um, you know, trial by fire and he survived that for sure. Um, So he was ready to take on and move into the CEO role. So, you know, under his leadership, now I get to, you know, focus on all the fun stuff, right? um, like culture and people celebrating, you know, restaurant anniversaries and employees, you know, birthdays and anniversaries and grand openings um, of new restaurants and things like that. Well, and so it's really, you know, kind of the full circle as a small business owner. It's like, you know, what do you work for? You work, you know, to build people and a team that can reach their highest potential and ultimately, 
you know, where you can enjoy the business and life at the same time. Exactly. Well, because when you get into, especially in the restaurant industry, it's so tough to actually have that work-life balance. And it seems like the way that you've formed it is that you've been able to grow this big company, but also have that work-life balance and also keep the company culture. Because like Ruby Red Slipper, I like ever since I first walked in, it is an actual experience. My favorite thing is that you can mix and match your eggs Benedict that I think that's the yes. most genius <laughs> idea ever. <laughs> crab cake eggs Benedict is my favorite, but last time I was there, I got crab cake and the fried chicken one. Oh my oh, gosh. Yum. It was, it's like that the Dixie great. one. It was so good. Yep. It's like a delicious biscuit with fried. Oh, it's pure heaven. Um, <laughs> so, and then also these cities that you're moving into because new Orleans is such, has such a rich food culture. These other cities that you're moving into are really industry rich and lots of food culture. So, I mean, moving into these new territories. So how do you guys blend in, in these new environments? What's cut? Do you have like a special strategy or is it just be yourself? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's an interesting, you know, being that you're familiar with Ruby slipper, one of the things that, you know, may, has always made us unique is that we're a neighborhood restaurant and that we really believe in the fabric of community and neighborhoods. And so as we grew along the Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. you know, we never did anything in a, like a cookie cutter way. So, you know, you wouldn't be driving by other than the sign you wouldn't say like you know that looks like a ruby slipper mm-hmm. where so many other you know brands as they grow they get you know very identifiable by their real estate you know it's identical look etc right um you know we typically found historic buildings in neighborhoods and renovated them you know sometimes they had been a restaurant but many times we have like lots of repurposed um buildings that have really interesting histories And I think that, you know, because we love the architecture and we, you know, we're really involved in our own neighborhood and it's, you know, kind of growth and rebirth after Katrina, we understand and appreciate, um, you know, that you go to a place, you know, you kind of bring who you are. So we are, you know, a breakfast and brunch forward restaurant with you know we want people to feel you know that really warm welcome feeling when they come in and we want them to enjoy great food and great service and we want them to leave and not be able to stop telling their friends and family about us right um and so but you know when you get places you hire people and you know different neighborhoods and different cities have different personalities and different cultures too and so you have to learn how to integrate and blend those things in a way that, you know, we can stay true to who we are, but also appreciate and, you know, join that with what that place is. So, um, you know, I think it's interesting. An example would be, you know, sometimes we go places and people look at our menu and they're like, well, you're from New Orleans and you don't have gumbo on your menu or you don't have jambalaya. (laughs) It's like they have these four dishes in their mind that, you know, they saw on a cooking show once that they're like, well, you must have these things. We're like, well, we're a breakfast and brunch restaurant. So we have a lot of Southern and New Orleans influences and right. twists that we put on breakfast and brunch food. Um, but we're not trying to compete with, you know, a place that's known for jambalaya or known for, you know, their gumbo. 
that's just not what our customer base, you know, our guests have looked for traditionally. I love that. That's such a good point. Cause there's so many times when I guess like, cause anytime people think new Orleans, like, like I'll tell people I'm from New Orleans. They're like, really? Oh, I didn't. Re-. It's like, oh, I didn't walk in here just saying laissez-laissez, bon temps, roulette. Right. <laughs> like I yeah. can't even make a roux. So, I mean, <laughs> but no, it's true. And what, and like going back to like the, the way that you renovate and the different buildings that you've been in, like, it's so true. The characters of each building you've gone into have been, they have been, they are these historic buildings. And I think that's so cool that you're not just trying to, you know, pop up like Longhorn steakhouses everywhere, like not, nothing against Longhorn. They're uh, right. Longhorn's great. But, um, but that is really cool. Cause it makes it different from just like a normal chain or something. It's like, you're actually trying to be part of the culture versus trying to like influence it. And just, I'm just so impressed with your history. And I mean, making that switch from chemical engineer to entrepreneur. I mean, did you always know that you were an entrepreneur or was that just? No, like a- <laughs> definitely not. And it's interesting. I'll, I'll just share quickly you know, how did I, absolutely no entrepreneurial background or sense, you know, no business experience. You know, my mom had a um, administrative job, you know, kind of on the secretarial side in a hospital. And my dad was a blue collar worker. So, you know, don't have a big family history of that. And really um, I wanted to buy my first house uh, when I got my, you know, kind of got my first job out of graduate school here in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized like, you know, of course I'm like an engineer. So whatever the rule of thumb says that this is what percentage of your earnings that you should spend on your rent or your mortgage, that's what I was going to spend, right? And not <laughs> a penny more. So I was really firm on what I could afford. And I found that, you know, as a single person, I couldn't afford a house that I liked in a neighborhood that I would feel safe being a single woman, you know, alone at night. And so um, I, you know, my entrepreneurial spirit just came really from necessity, which I think is where a lot of entrepreneurs get their real inspiration from. And luckily I had a friend who wanted to do some real, she already owned her own home. She wanted to do some real estate investing. And so we basically formed an LLC um and purchased a home and i and it was a double which is a very traditional house style here in new orleans and i lived in half and had a roommate and then we had a tenant and you know it was a win-win because i felt like i was spending my money into something that i owned and not just you know paying it to a landlord and i was also earning income and so that was kind of where i got my start in real estate about Oh, goodness. I guess nine years before I went into the restaurant business and that, you know, first house, then, you know, sold that, made a little bit of money. And my friend and I had the bug at that point. So we, you know, started going to sheriff's auction and buying really awful houses that we would do, you know, our own renovation. So we were doing, you know, like the nights and weekends, um, cosmetic renovation work and then selling houses And that's basically how um, my husband ended up leaving his job to do real estate full time. And we started a separate LLC. By the time we started Ruby Slipper, we had had three different, you know, kind of had three different real estate LLCs that we had started and were working in. And we used the money that we made, you know, from that first initial investment that I had made back in 1999 and um, some additional money my husband had gotten laid off from his job. And, and so 
um, he had a little bit of money from that. And so um, used that to basically seed the first restaurant. And then oh my gosh, that's being amazing. that we are like super conservative uh, engineers, he's also an engineer. Um, <laughs> we built the entire business on money we had. We never borrowed any money. Wow. Um, all the way through to like, restaurant number 10 or 12. It was wow. just, you know, if the, if these restaurants made enough money and we had enough money that we could afford to build another restaurant, that's when we build another restaurant. So, you know, it's kind of like, uh, we were the tortoise and the tortoise and the hare at that point in time, we were, you know, kind of slow and steady and building when we can afford to and not, you know, leveraging ourselves or getting into debt. So that is yeah, awesome. so that's where it came from. I just, I am just so just floored with how much of a badass you are. Like, I feel like I need to have a whole entire another episode just about entrepreneurship <laughs> so you can teach me everything you know so I can build my businesses the way you did. <laughs> I'm just so impressed with you. To. And you're just, I mean, just, just your entrepreneurial spirit and then the way, like, especially Ruby Slipper. I love this restaurant and this brand. And so now with what's coming up next or what has come up. So with Lanyap Crew, so what brought on um, you wanting to start Lanyap Crew? So um, back in 2019, um, we had, we're in a position to take some money out of the business. And part of what I had always wanted to do, I'd always been very highly involved in nonprofits, um, high focus on things like education and women's causes and families and, you know, jobs, things like that. So um, we were in a position to take some money out of the business and to use that to seed the Weissopt Family Foundation, which we kicked off in 2019. And so we, um, you know, very excitedly made, you know, we have a board and we, ha we made a number of, in, uh, direct gifts to nonprofits in the New Orleans and the Louisiana area that were in line with some of these things that, you know, we as a business and as individuals had supported, you know, for many years. Um, and so, you know, Fast forward to 2020 with kind of the intention of doing the same thing is like, you know, you have this pool of money you want to give out for this year. And, you know, you're looking for those 10 or 12 or 15 nonprofits that, you know, are really doing something that interests you and that you really want to help get behind their mission. Well, you know, March 2020 comes around and we just see the hospitality industry being completely devastated as these closures very quickly roll through, you know, kind of everywhere in America, right? Once the virus hit. Um, and so it was really an idea that came from um, our leadership team at Ruby Slipper. Mm -hmm. It's like, what can we do to really help all of these employees who've been laid off, you know, how do we help them keep afloat? And even at that point was before we, you know, the federal government hadn't announced any of their yeah. additional assistance. So, you know, everything looked really dire at that moment. And so that was where, you know, kind of the idea for the Lanyap Crew Emergency Relief Fund was sparked. And so we quickly um, 
basically used money from our family foundation to seed that and went through all of the hoops of, you know, getting the foundation uh, 501c3 status through the IRS, which is no fun, especially oh, gosh, in a pandemic. Yeah. It was like a very, very long process. Um, but we got the the money in place and um, immediately, you know, created an application process and started having people in hospitality who had been laid off apply. And we issued um, grants between, you know, 250 or $500, depending on need. And, you know, basically direct cash to people at that moment in time who were really impacted by COVID. And, um, you know, we limited it to hospitality because that's the business we were in. And we saw what it was doing to people in hospitality in particular. And with, you know, we know that a lot of our workforce, you know, would be in a position that they were living paycheck to paycheck. They don't necessarily have a nest egg. Mm -mm. So... Um, you know, there was a number of other things we did in the business, like um, we have something called family meal, and that's basically at every shift, um, the start of shift, you have family meal, which is your, like your shift meal. But for us, it's a time when people, you know, are together in community, enjoying their meal, and also, you know, kind of learning about what's going on in the business right now, or what you know, what are the critical things you need to be aware of for today or this shift or things like that. So we took that idea of family meal and then translated it to say that for all of the hourly employees that we had unfortunately had to lay off for at that point, you know, kind of unknown period of time that they could come every day and pick up a meal for them and their families. Um, And so we, we had some of our team that we kept on, we had them um, in our commissary here in New Orleans and they would prepare, you know, they'd made a menu every week and they'd prepare meals and, uh, we had a little system. People could reserve their meals. So, you know, we knew how many to make and then they would just come by and pick them up. You know, they'd be all packaged for them to take home and eat with their families and in locations where, you know, we didn't have, um, a home office like we have in New Orleans, uh, anybody who was laid off could go to the restaurant and get a meal there. Wow on us so that kind of idea of like what else can we do for people how do we make sure that when we get to the other side they're going to get to the other side with us um and so that's where lanyette crew came from and you know over the course of 2020 we helped about um 250 families mostly in the new orleans area but you know kind of new orleans and louisiana Um, but really we had, we publicized it in all of our markets. So we had, you know, kind of people from all over who applied. Um, and then we thought, you know, we had some money that we reserved because we realized like we probably need, you know, things will happen. You know, people have house fires, they have car accidents, you know, they have things that'll, that'll put them in a position where they'll need something for a short period of time. So we wanted to be able to continue to have Lanyap crew um, fund those sorts of things. And so towards the end of the summer last year, we had Hurricane Laura that hit the western part of uh, Louisiana, and we had Hurricane Sally that hit the Gulf Coast. So we expanded our reach and allowed people in hospitality to apply who were impacted by those two hurricanes. Um, So as we've seen the business come back in 2021, Mm -hmm. um, 
it was really uh, Hurricane Ida um, and just how devastating it was to Southeast Louisiana where we said, okay, we have to come up with, you know, and particularly because of the power outages and people looking like people were going to be, you know, kind of midterm or long-term evacuated. Um, I really was like, how can, can Lanyap crew do something? I can't write people a check and mail it to them. Right. You know, when they're staying at the La Quinta or they're sleeping on their friend's couch or whatever. And so the idea of doing like direct cash via PayPal, um, one of my other friends has a nonprofit in New Orleans and I saw them do it. And I was like, reached out to him. was like, okay, how did this really work? Can I do this? What's the fastest thing I can do? So that's what we did. We um, have given out uh, just under $50,000. Oh my gosh. This year, just to hurricane Ida victim, item victims. And I have, um, I think last time you and I spoke briefly, um, I mean, I have hundreds and hundreds of more applications and, you know, it's heartbreaking to know how significant the need is and to, you know, just be at the point where we don't have any more funds for this particular event. And like, we had not really ever been in the position of like trying to fundraise because that wasn't, you know, we kind of like funded it ourselves. We have business partners uh, who in 2020 matched our, our initial funding, which was amazing. And so it was like, okay, we have this pot of money and we'll make it last. And then, you know, it'll kind of go away. And then we realize, well, no, there's actually an ongoing need. And then here this hits and it's like the, the devastation was so widespread. Right. Um, there's just so many people. Yeah. And it was such a big storm. And for it to hit on the her, the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina was just a double whammy. And, oh, yeah. And just because for people that were actually there during Katrina and had to experience it, that was just such a wake up call for everybody as to the infrastructure and like the way that things can break down so quickly in a civilized society. So when now that we've got Hurricane Ida that just happened, it was just so much of a mental toll on so many people who had been through so much. And then also the pandemic on top of that. And, you know, one thing um, that sometimes people don't realize is even though, yes, the hurricane happened about a month ago, but I mean, there's people who still don't have power. There's restaurants who still cannot open because yeah. of the damage and they're flooded. And, you know, those restaurants, those employees, they they don't have income coming in and they don't have, you know, and on top of that, we're still in the middle of a really big pandemic. So it, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah it's really, um, I've spent some time uh, down in St. Charles Parish, which is just southwest of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's about 30 to 45 minute drive. Um, and then there's, you know, other parishes even further west and south that, you know, they're just really devastated when I was in St. Charles Parish a week ago, or, you know, maybe it was a week and a half at this point, but not one person had power yet and no, nobody has potable water. So if you have, you know, water is coming out of your tap, but it's not safe to drink. So you're supposed to boil it to make it safe to drink. But if you don't have gas service in your house and your electricity's out, you can't boil 
your water, right. right? So then they were having to set up like water stations where people could, you know, bring a bucket or a container and get enough water, you know, for cooking or for drinking. Um, it's just stuff you don't, you don't think about on the scale that it happens, right? Gosh, yes. And how widespread it is. And those with those other areas in Louisiana, they don't have major cities, so they don't necessarily get the national spotlight that right. New Orleans or Baton Rouge would get. Right. And it's, and these are just like, these are communities that are so part of the fabric of Louisiana and New Orleans. So it's just so important to shed light on these communities and, and things that are going on there as well. Um, and so, so for the process of, so say someone were um, a, a service industry worker, what is their process for applying with Lanyap Crew? So what we did for this round, because I was really trying to figure out like what is the most expedited way mm -hmm. to get money into people's hands, um, we really simplified it. So I, I made a new, we didn't use, like we really didn't have any social media presence other than through Ruby Slipper last time um, we ran it. We got a lot of uh, press and media coverage. So that's how most people heard about it in 2020 when it was pandemic related. Um, but this time, you know, I made a new Instagram and set that up and basically ran the grant round through Instagram. So people just to keep it as simple as possible, they just had to send a DM with the really basic information that we outlined, which is, you know, your name, your address, phone number and email that's associated with your PayPal account and, you know, kind of where you worked in hospitality and very brief description of your need. Um, and so from there, uh, you know, I would just go through messages. I'd verify, you know, okay, you know, this is the person's PayPal and then right over to sending the money. Um, we did this round because I, I knew we had less money available because we had already, you know, dwindled the account down pretty significantly in 2020. Um, we targeted 150 and 300 because we thought, you know, this is something for like, you know, a week or two weeks to right. help people out when they're in that immediate evacuation. Or like immediate since everybody's power was out prolonged, like everybody had to restock their fridge, right. you know, those sorts of things. Um, so yeah, that was, that's the levels. And that's basically the process. It's just really very simple <laughs> to through at Lanyap crew um, on Instagram. That's great. And it's great that you made it so simple for people. And then, um, and then they would just get a direct payment from PayPal. And then you guys, y'all just got verified on PayPal, correct? Yes, we did. So we're verified as a charity at this point, which That's is great. great. And then, so now moving forward with it. Um, so applications are pretty backed up is what you were telling me over the phone last time we talked. And so, yes. so for people yeah. to raise money now, that's going to go towards people who have been waiting for assistance and needing help that actually probably still are out of work at this point too. Yes. And since the initial, you know, few weeks were really focused, most of the people who had heard about it were in, you know, kind of the immediate New Orleans, um, Orleans Parish and Jefferson Parish and some in St. Tammany Parish. Um, we really want to make sure that the people who are in places like Terrebonne Parish and St. Charles and St. John, where they've had these prolonged outages um, and continue to be, to make sure that they have the chance to get their application. So that's going to be the focus um, as we get money in 
um, on where the, the funds are going to go. Wow. Goodness gracious. And so, so for anybody that's listening, cause we'll, we'll have the event on September 30th at Red's Beer Garden here in Atlanta, but anybody listening that's from any of these areas or anywhere that wants to support, what's the easiest way for them to help, uh, to help and give funds to you? Yeah. So they can, um, donate directly via PayPal and they can find us on PayPal. It's Lanyap crew at gmail.com and of course i am gonna have to spell that because in, <laughs> oh in new God. orleans we like words that don't look at all like what the way they said <laughs> so it's l-a-g-n-i-a-p-p-e lanyap and crew k-r-e-w-e and uh, i'll just share what that means lanyap is a basically it's a creole word so it's french creole and it essentially means a little something extra and crew is a designation we use um typically related to mardi gras right our marching yeah. crews and our parading crews they're the organizations that um parade and march and make mardi gras the celebration that it is and so Lanyap crew is, uh, you know, a group of people who are trying to do a little something extra for people who are in need. So it's Lanyap crew at gmail.com. That's amazing. And thank you for defining that because I've had so many people have had to explain what Lanyap like, is. So many- yeah. People say it all the time. Like what on earth is this? Word? <laughs> I think that's beautiful. And this is such, this is so amazing. And thank you so much for coming on to the podcast to talk about this. And, you know, I, I really, appreciate everything that you're doing down there. And I hope that this helps bring more information and uh, gets the word out about this because the, you know, continued support is needed, but also this organization um, up here in Atlanta, because we have the giving kitchen. It seems like it's very, it's, you know, similar, similar need and similar organization. So, I mean, hopefully we can get this to be like an ongoing thing that just provides constant support to service industry workers. Yeah, no, I'm really excited and really so grateful um, that you reached out through Instagram and connected with me and that we've gotten the chance to talk and get to know each other. And I mean, it's just amazing that you're doing um, this fundraiser and so appreciated, you know, like the organization of Lanyap Crew, I have a board that makes, you know, kind of all the final decisions, but we're an all volunteer board and I'm the, you know, we don't have any employees, we have no overhead. So every dollar that people donate, you know, is going directly to people in need, which is, you know, what we wanted to do. That's amazing. I'm I'm really happy to be able to help out. The, my friends from Urban South Brewing, they're the ones who oh, yeah. sent me your way. They're great. They were like, because I was, I, you know, I wanted to get involved and help. And, but also um, it's, it's hard to find organizations that, you know, that are doing exactly what you want them to do, I guess, you know, I didn't want to just, right. you know, do something for like the Red Cross, not to say anything bad about the Red Cross, but it's like some of these like bigger organizations, it's, it's so great to see an org- organization that's actually directly helping people and getting cash in their hands as quick as possible. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really uh, appreciate everybody's support. Thank you again so much for listening. This is such an amazing 
episode. What an amazing human. Oh my gosh, Jennifer is just amazing. She's so inspiring. I want to have her on again just to talk about all of her secret entrepreneurial tricks, everything like that. She's amazing. And then just spinning that into something that gives back to the community. It's so special. Um, and again, you can find information about Lanyap Crew at lanyapcrewfund.com. And you spell Lanyap, L-A-G-N-I-A-P-P-E. Stay with me. And then crew is K-R-E-W-E, fund.com. And you can donate to them directly at PayPal, Lanyap Crew Emergency Relief Fund. They are verified on PayPal. So when you're sending them anything through PayPal, make sure you look for that blue check mark. Um, and then in the notes, just put that you heard about it from Bitch Beer. So that way they know it's coming from the podcast. And please, if you are in Atlanta this Thursday, please come to Red's Beer Garden on Thursday. We're going to have red beans and rice. We're going to have amazing music. I'm putting together a playlist of all my favorite, favorite music. And no, it's not just tourist stuff. It's good, good, amazing music from artists that I know and love. Um, also, we're going to have a raffle for a $100 gift card to Red's Beer Garden. All you have to do is show that you, uh, a proof of donation that you donated to Lanyap Crew Emergency Relief Fund. And it's going to be a great time. Um, thank you so much to Red's Beer Garden for uh, giving us their space, donating a portion of profits from the evening to Lanyap Crew. And thank you to all of you for listening. It's so exciting. I can't wait to see you all there. And... As we say in New Orleans, lazele, bon temps, roule. Cheers. la volée Oh, parlez-nous à boire Non pas du mariage Toujours en regrettant Nos jolis temps passés Si que tu te maries Avec un vilain fille T'es dans le grand danger Faudra tu fais ta vie avec Oh, parlez-nous à
see.